Those who hunger, those who thirst For a world that has to hear that Jesus saves Who will pray? Who will lift their heart to heaven? Who will fall before the throne of grace? Who will pray? Trusting He will hear and all who come to him in faith, who will pray? That our lives would always be what we claim that we believe. That our steps would never turn from what is right. That no matter what the cost, for the glory of the cross, with compassion we would share the love of Christ. Who will pray? Who will lift their heart to heaven? Who will fall before the throne of grace? Trusting he will hear and answer all who come to him in faith. Who will pray? We are helpless without his power. And he has promised our prayers are not in vain. So who will pray? fall before the throne of grace. We will pray, trusting he will hear and answer all who come to him in faith. We will pray. We will pray. We will pray. We will pray. I forgot to get Brother Moon up here a little earlier, and uh, he kind of likes to sit up in front of the crowd and try to acclimate himself to the frowns and the, <laughs> the faces part. <laughs> I tease him. You are always, I mean, I'm telling you, preachers have horror stories about people they preach to. You guys are always smiling and happy, yeah, and amen. man, it's wonderful. And so for Brother Moon, I know he, uh, he likes to get up here and uh, kind of take a gaze over the crowd a little bit, but... Uh, well, I'll tell you what, um, we've enjoyed having him, haven't we? And he's going to be preaching tonight, and I'm looking forward to what the Lord's put on his heart, and uh, we'll just trust the Lord to speak to us tonight. So let's open our hearts and ready ourselves for the Word of God. Brother Moon. Thanks, Pastor. Got it? Here, let me get it. Uh, 
Are we on? Amen. Good. All right. I, I didn't mess it up this time. All right. Well, it's good to see you here tonight. It seems like time has fl- flown by. And, uh, of course, they say your time flies when you're having fun. Uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes it flies me when I'm not having fun. And uh, I, I like having fun, though. That helps a lot. But uh, anyway, it is good to be here tonight, and it's good to be saved. Amen? amen. If you're saved, say amen. amen. Good, good. I like to hear that. It's great to be saved. If you have your Bible, turn to the book of Genesis. Uh, Brother Brad, that's the first book in the Bible. Get that down. I don't even see Brother Josh. Did he? Oh, there he is. Okay. First book in the Bible for you too, all right? All right, good. Good deal. Good deal. I don't want the first chapter, but the first book, all right? Get the new look from the old book. Get the new look from the Bible. That's good, isn't it? You can get the new look from the old book. I love it, I love it, I love it. All right, if you would please uh, look at verse number 8 with me. uh, Genesis chapter number 3. Let me get there. I'm here, I am cutting up and being crazy with Brad and and Josh and didn't even turn there myself, all right? Look, if you would, at verse number 8. Stand with me, please. If you would, out of respect and honor for God's Word, we'll read just about three verses somewhere in that area, and then I'll pray and we'll be seated and we'll talk about a little bit more of that chapter. Look at verse 8, it says, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife, what's the next word? Hid who? Hid themselves. Wow. From the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Now don't get me wrong. God knew where he was, all right? Because God's God, all right? Where art thou? Why? Because he was hiding from him, aren't trying. Let me back a minute. Trying to hide himself. And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. I hid myself. He was trying to hide from God. That's amazing, isn't it? Where can you go to hide from God? If you go to the deepest waters, you can't hide from him. If you go to the highest skies, you can't hide from him. No matter where you go, you can't hide from him. God's everywhere. God's he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. You can't hide from him. We know that from the Bible and, of course, Psalm 139. You can't hide from him. No matter where you go, he's there. But they tried. Now, there's a reason why they tried. Why did they try to hide from him? Because they had what? Sinned. Isn't it amazing? How that we try to hide from God when we sin. Can I tell you tonight? It don't work. It don't work because the Bible says it doesn't work. It doesn't work because I know from personal experience it doesn't work. All right? It just doesn't work. Let's pray. Father, help us tonight. We need you. I need you. Set a watch from my mouth. Keep the doors of my lips. And may I say exactly what you want and the way you want it said. Lord, I thank you for this church. Thank you for their pastor. Thank you for their kindness and their, their kind words. And for, their, for them sitting up and listening. Lord, uh, one of the most discouraging things is when people, and Pastor alluded to it a moment ago, it's when you're preaching and people are looking at you almost with, with disgust in their face. And Lord, I look out over this crowd and they're smiling, they're laughing, they're, they're enjoying what's going on. What a joy it is. It, it just gives you such a freedom and praise you for that. Thank you for these good folks. Now, I don't want to say anything I shouldn't say to them. But Lord, I also want to know, I also know that you, you had Pastor to have me to come to share the Word of God. 
And so would you help these thoughts be exactly what we need for this hour? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. When I was a kid, they used to hide the Easter eggs. Amen? Brother Lonnie Manning told me a few years ago, he said, I'm getting to the age now where I can hide my own Easter eggs. I think I'm getting there too. I can just hide my own, right? I'll go downstairs to go downstairs to get something. I get down there and I go, now, and, and, and I'll see something else. And I'll go, man, you know I came down here for something. What in the world did I come down here for? I can't even remember. Go back upstairs and I go, good night. I know I went down there for something. And I go to another room and I go, oh yeah, that's right. I went down there for that. And I go back downstairs and then I get detained again. And I go, wait a minute, this, this is number two. I can't forget it this time. Oh yeah, I got it. You know, if we're not careful, uh, <laughs> we'll forget some things. But here's what I'm talking about. You know, I loved when we do it. Now, we had our own unique thing, and I think I've shared here. Me and my brothers, we were teenagers, and the grandkids would come over, and we'd hide eggs for them, and they would, mom would make eggs, you know, and boil the eggs and color them and everything like that. Now we just buy a little plastic ones and put a little something in them, candy or something, and forget all that boiling eggs, amen? Plus eggs are a little bit, just a tad expensive, in case you hadn't noticed. But, uh, but anyway... We would, uh, they would hide the eggs, and the kids would find them. And then, when the kids got done, it was the big boy's turn. Amen. Hide the eggs, because we're going after them. And so we'd go in the house, you know, and try to peek around the corner and see if we could see somebody around the, uh, out the window and see where they're hiding them. But they'd hide those eggs, and then it, it, it was a challenge, brother. I mean, whoever got the most was a winner. And, uh, man, we would, we, it got brutal. You'd see an egg, and somebody else see it. It was, you got tackled if you tried to do it, if you didn't get there first. And sometimes the guy behind would, 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 would actually tackle the guy in front to get the egg before the guy in front got to it. I mean, it was brutal, but fun. And we loved hide, hiding those eggs and finding, not hiding them, but finding those eggs. One time we had a, I was over the bus ministry when I was at, uh, in the children's ministry. I didn't teach in it. Somebody else taught, did all the teaching. But I was over the children's part of it when I was at Roanoke. And... Uh, we was having an Easter egg hunt, and brother, it was a deluge nearly outside. It rained. It didn't rain cat and dogs. That's a term we use. There was no cats and dogs out there, but it rained a whole lot of water. And it was just coming down. Water was standing all over the fields. It was just coming down. And I had promoted, and the kids had come in on the bus that they were going to have an Easter egg hunt. We didn't have a gymnasium we could hide them in. So we had to do some quick thinking. We had a big room downstairs, the fellowship room. It wasn't real big, but there was a classroom off of it over here and another classroom and two offices off of it. And one of them was mine. And I said, look, if Brother Tar doesn't care, and he said, I don't care. I said, we'll hide the eggs in my office, his office, this room out here. We'll hide them in that other room, and we'll let them come in and we'll let... You know, just a couple of grades come in. We'll hide a certain amount of them. They find them. Then we'll, we'll take those kids out, hide a couple more of them, uh, hide them again, hide some more of them, and, don't, and so on until we get through everybody. And that way, at least some kids got some eggs, and they had a good time, and at least I didn't lie to them, tell them we're going to eat an Easter egg hunt, and it rained us out. And so we did that and uh, took the kids home and everything. And about two months later, I'm sitting in my office one day, and I thought, you know, something here just don't smell right. <laughs> don't smell right. And, of course, it wasn't the plastic eggs. It was the real eggs. And so I go over there on my bookshelf, and I'm like, something over here just smells. And I started moving books. All those books I'd been reading, Brother Brad, all of them, about 10 years ago. And uh, before that hunt, all right? 
and I pull one of them out, and there was an Easter egg. Except when you leave an Easter egg that's a real one, even though it was boiled in there for a long time, it still does what most Easter eggs do that are boiled and left like that. It rots. And man, it stunk up the place because whoever hit it did a good job and none of those kids found it. And none of the adults, being me, found it until that day. But you know what? It got hit a long time, but boy, the longer it was hid, can I tell you something? The more it stunk. The longer it was hid, the more it stunk. Now I'm going somewhere with that in just a moment. The longer it was hid, the more it stunk. When I first got saved, I was going to Sheila's, I, I mentioned Sheila's uncle Charlie last night. He was preaching revival at the church I got saved at. Now, you got to understand, I've told you here this before, but the deacons went out on the porch between Sunday school and preaching and smoked. So I went out there with them because I smoked. And I'd go out there and join them and smoke with them and talk to them while they were doing it. And, uh, you know, anybody came to church for preaching had to walk through the smoke that we had out there on the front, little front area. And uh, so he came and preached a revival. And, uh, well, actually it was out there. It was, uh, it was Brad and Josh. Oh, no, that was in college when I caught y'all smoking. That, that was different. I'm sorry, I'm getting two stories mixed up here. Now, and so I went, I, I was out there with him and he preached a survival. Well, I came in and I actually had a pocket, not like his shirt with no pocket. And I had my, my Marlboro lights, I think it was, in my front pocket. And I had them right there in my front pocket. And I come walking in for church. And I sat down back there with Sheila. And, you know, and I'm sitting there and he's preaching. It was good preaching. But then he quit preaching and started meddling. You know how they preach, they start meddling. He said, like, some of you out there, you need to give up some of you. Change me like somebody puffing on those cigarettes. Man, that didn't go over too well when those deacons out there smoking with us. But man, he, he actually went there and he ripped on smoking. And I'm sitting there like this going. So at the end of the service, the pastor takes him and we go to the back door. And there, weren't, there was not one, two, three, four, five, six different ways out of that place. Brother, there was one way out, unless you went out the other end. There was one way out, and that was through that door I was standing at. And here, that I had to go out. And he and the pastor stood there. And so I'm thinking, okay, (laughs) how am I going to do this? And so I'm like, how you doing? I put them hands over them cigarettes, man. (laughs) I didn't want to put them in my pocket. I was afraid I didn't have one of those crush. You know what I'm talking about? Those crush proof boxes, Brad. I didn't, yeah, like you got in your pocket, like in your coat. I didn't have one of those crush proof boxes, all right? It was just a regular wrapper, whatever it is around it. And so I'd put it in my pocket. I'd break them, and they cost too much money to break, all right? I didn't want to break them all, open them, you know, break them and so forth, and bend them, break them. So, I'm covering them up, you know, I'm trying to go out. And of course, I got to move my right hand to shake hands with him. And so forth. And I've got my arm whipped like this over them cigarettes. Like an idiot. You knew he saw them. Besides that, he could probably smell it on my breath anyway. And, and you know, but I'm trying my best to hide them. You know what I was doing? I was doing exactly what Adam and Eve tried to do. They were told, do not eat that fruit. And they did it anyway. And then they realized they were naked. And then they tried to hide from God. Adam, where art thou? Well, 
I heard that voice in the garden. And, uh, I heard your voice in the garden. And uh, I, I realized I was naked. And I, uh, I hid myself. Twice it says they hid themselves. They were trying to hide their sin from God like God couldn't see it. Did you know they lost something that day when they tried to hide their sin from God? And when they sinned, they tried to leave the presence of God. And then they tried to hide what they did. Don't you notice that we, if we're not careful, try to hide our sin. They tried to hide it. Now, if you look at it with me, the serpent used the same thing on them that he uses on us. If you go to the book of, of uh, 1 John, it says, Love not the world, these things in the world. For also in the world, the lust of the... the does anybody want to quote it? Lust of the flesh, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Now watch this. He used the same thing on them. Go back up. And when the woman saw that... The, well, let me back up. For God doth know that, in verse 5, Then day you eat thereof, that your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as God, knowing good and evil. And the woman saw that the tree was good for food. Lust of the flesh. It was good for food. That it was pleasant to, to the eyes. Lust of the eyes. And to be desired to make one wise. Pride of life. And what he did was he, she saw that it was good for food, lust of the flesh. She saw it was pleasant eyes, lust of the eyes. She saw it was a, a good to be desired to make one wise, pride of life. And their eyes were open and he knew they were naked. By the way, the sin of unbelief, they didn't believe God. They didn't believe him when he told them what to do. Just like people that won't get saved won't believe God enough to get saved. So I see in this story where they tried to hide what they did. And since day one, people, human beings, have been trying to hide when they do wrong, in many cases. Now, some of them today just come right out and do it. But not we Christians. We're good at hiding it. You know what I'm saying? We got it down to a science even, maybe. I want to give you four illustrations of people trying to hide their sin in, in the Bible. Let me start one. And I'm not going to read all the scripture because I don't have time. But we talk about David. The lust of the flesh. And David sent to Joab saying, send to me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah came to him, David demanded of him how, David, how Joab did. And how the people did. And how the war prospered. And David said to Uriah, go down to thy house and wash thy feet. And Uriah departed out of the king's house. And there followed him a mess of meat from the king. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of the Lord. And went not down to his house. And when they had told David, saying, Uriah went down, not down to his house. David said unto Uriah, comest thou not from the, thy journey? Why then didst thou not go down to thine house? And Uriah said unto David, the ark and Israel and Judah abide in tents, and my Lord Joab and the servants of my Lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go into mine house to enjoy and drink in the life of my wife? As thou livest, and as thou so livest, I want to do no, do, not do those this things. And David said to Uriah, Tarry here today also, and tomorrow I will let thee depart. So Uriah abode in the Jerusalem that day and tomorrow. And when David had called him, he did eat and drink before him, and he made him drunk. And at even he went out to lie on the bed with his servants of the Lord, but went not down his house. 
And it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by hand of Uriah. Now let's get the context of it. Why did he bring Uriah back and why did he want Uriah to go to his house? Because he had had an adulterous affair with Uriah's wife Bathsheba and she'd gotten pregnant and he wanted him to go down there so it looked like it was Uriah's child and not his child. He was trying to hide his lust of the flesh that caused him to be immoral. He tried to hide his lust of the flesh. He did. But it didn't work, did it? David, thou art the man. David, the baby's dying. David, because you confess, you're not going to die, but the baby will. David, because of your sin, your, your uh, uh, concubines and so forth, are going to have be defiled. David, you're going to have problems, and we know all the problems David had. That started a, a, a domino effect of major issues in the life of David that are incalculable. There were so many. And the damage it was done. Yeah, it was David. Yeah, but how many times do we try to hide the lust of the flesh? Well, there was a second one. Go to Joshua chapter 7. Joshua chapter 7. Let's get the context of the story. Israel was going to go. They surrounded Jericho. Marched around it once one day, once the next day, once the next day, once the next day, once the next day, and so forth, until they got to the seventh day, and then marched around it how many times? Seven times. Shout, blow the trumpet, shout. Walls come fall. The walls didn't come tumbling down. The walls fell flat. And the walls come down. But the instruction was, the, there's not anything to be taken. You're not to take things. This is an offering to God. It's a spoil that they normally got was to be left for God. Leave the spoil alone. Don't touch it. It's an accursed thing. Chapter 7, verse 1, But the children of Israel committed trespass and a curse, saying, For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the curse, saying, and The anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. So what happened? The next step is they go up to Ai. Decide only to take 3,000 men. They're smitten by Ai. 30 men lose their life. 36 men actually die. Then Joshua rinsed his clothes and falls to, fell to the earth and his face toward the ark of the Lord and the eventide and begins to beg God. And God says, get up and take care of this problem. Somebody has done wrong. Up, sanctify the people and say, sanctify yourself again tomorrow. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, there's an accursed thing in the midst of thee, O Israel. Thou canst not stand before thine enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. They began to go to tribe. So Joshua rose early in the morning, verse 16, and brought... Israel of chapter 7 by the tribes and the tribe of Judah was taken. He brought the family of Judah and he took the family of the Zarhites and he brought the family of Zarhites man by man and Zabdi was taken. He brought him household man by man and Achan the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi the son of Zerah and of the tribe of Judah was taken and Joshua said to him, Achan my son, give I pray thee glory to the Lord God of Israel and make confession to him and tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. 
And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. And, and thus and thus have I done. And I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonian garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight. And I coveted them and took them and they are hid in the earth. They're hid in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. Joshua sent messenger, and they ran to the tent, and behold, it was hid in his tent and the silver under it. What did he do? He took the accursed thing, and what the first thing he did after he got it? He hid it. He tried to hide his sin. That's what he tried to do. Problem was, God saw it. Problem was, God saw it. And 36 men died because of his sin. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? But that's not the end of the story, as we all know. And they took them out of the midst of the tent, talking about the things he hid, and brought them into Joshua and to all the children of Israel. Laid them out before the Lord, and Joshua and Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver, and the garment, and the wedge of gold, and his sons, plural, at least two, and his daughters, plural, at least two, and his oxen, and his asses, and his sheep, and his tent, and all that he had, and brought them into the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones and buried them. I'm sorry, and burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones into the day so that the Lord turned the fierceness of the anger. Now, wait a minute. Am I misreading this, Pastor? He brought his sons and daughters and they burned them and they stoned them, plural, not just Achan. So not only did 36 men lose their life, but his family lost their life. Now there's a principle here that's so important. Gentlemen, it is heavy, heavy on your head when you don't do what's right for your family. I know that's not politically correct, but it's Biblically correct. Heavy, heavy, heavy hangs over the head of you men. We don't do what's right for your family. God's given you a wife and given you children. You're responsible for them. Don't get many mans out, amens out of that. But it is biblical. You're the head of the house. Remember, you've got to answer to God. They can hit it. Lust of the eyes. I saw among the spoils of Babylonian garment. Then after I saw it, mine eyes did affect my heart. I coveted it. What you see determines how you feel. How you feel determines what you do. If you want to change a man's, his, what he does, you got to change how he feels. 
And then you better make sure you change what he sees and hears. Because what I see and hear determines what I think. What I think determines how I feel. How I feel determines my actions. You don't change a man's action by taking away from him the actions. You take it away from him, turn him loose, and go back and do the same thing. It's his heart. How the heart perceives it's his life. You've got to change his heart. And he had in his heart a heart of lust of the eyes, warning things, seeing things and warning them. And they became the major thing, and it didn't matter that they said, this is a curse, don't take it. He took it anyway. 36 million plus he and his family lost their life. Are you trying to hide your lust of the eyes? I've told this story here before, but I'm going to tell it again. I was listening to a guy preach, and he told about a young man that he had talked to and counseled with. And he said that the young man came to him and said, Preacher, I need some help. He said, What do you need help with? He said, My daddy. And he said, What about your daddy? And he said, Well, I know he's in the pornography. I saw him. He said, in facts, he said, he's out and he, he, he works on the computer, but the computer, face of the computer, screen faces the window. And me and my dad play games where we'll try to sneak up on each other and scare him. And so one night I was there and I tried to sneak up on him and scare him. And when I, sn I snuck up and I got to the window and I started to hit the window to scare him uh, because he was on his computer. And when I looked, he was on the computer. He was, he was looking at pornography on the website. And I stood there, I stopped, and I just watched. And he stayed on pornography all the time. I went around to the door and went to the door, and when I did, he flipped off the computer, the, the pornography, real quick. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to confront him. Teenage boy. He said, so, I went, and, and, and I, I didn't know what to do, so I just need help. How can I confront him? He said, son, do you have a pastor? Yes. I think you ought to go talk to your pastor and get counsel him and ask him how to talk to your dad. He said, that's the problem. My dad is the pastor. My dad is the pastor. One of the most mis uh, committed sins, I believe with all my heart, going on among men in America today is pornography on the websites and internets. Gentlemen, I'm going to tell you something. That little lady sitting back there has access to my phone and knows everything about it. There are no hidden things. We have the same password. My iPad, she has the same password. We don't have a computer in the home. We just have an iPad. She has every bit of it. And anytime she wants to, and she's sitting there and she can tell you if I'm lying, she has access to look at it anytime. Do you not? You know what that does, Brother Brad? Seriously, I joke with you a lot. You know what that means? It keeps me from looking at anything I ain't supposed to look at. That's what it does. Because I know in any minute she can pick up, go back to the history, and there it is. Boop, 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 boop. Honestly, I don't even know how to get rid of the history. <laughs> Honestly, I don't. I don't. I don't know how to clean it up. But that really doesn't bother me. That keeps me from going anywhere I ain't supposed to go. Gentlemen, that's a deterrent. To keep me from going somewhere I ain't got no business going to. You know one of the biggest sins men hide? They're garbage they watch on the internet and look at. Huh? Oh, he done started meddling now. 
Quit preaching and start meddling. We want revival and we're looking at pornography. Do you really think God doesn't see that? Do you really think God's going to give you revival in your heart? Do you really think God's going to give you His power in your, in your life and in your family and your blessing in your family while you're going to websites like that? Are you kidding me? I'll not turn there for a second time. And we looked at this chapter here that day anyway, but the pride of life, Saul, 1 Samuel 15. Why did he not, why did he not take care of business? One of the main reasons cause the pride of life. David said, when thou wast small in thine eyes, he made you king. Samuel, I'm sorry, David. When thou wast small in thine eyes. You know what I mean? He wasn't small no more. He got lifted up with pride. When they said, Saul, David has killed his, Saul has killed his thousands, but David's his tens of thousands. Something inside of him began to brew. Ooh, 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 ooh. The old heart started beating. Boom, boom. And he thought, what? They're ascribing to David tens of thousands. I'm the king. He's just a regular man. And I'm a king. And they're ascribing to me thousands of him, 10,000. Something's not right. What is that called, Pastor? Pride. You know what we hide more than anything else probably in our life is our pride. Pride. You know why a lot of times we get bitter at somebody? Because we're too proud to admit that maybe they were right and we were wrong and whatever. You know why some of you won't walk an aisle and get your heart right with God? You're too proud. They'll think I'm a wicked person. I walked out. You don't have to tell us. We already knew it. It's no secret. You're not hiding anything. You think it's hid. We see it. I see it. You know how? I know because I'm a wicked person. And I see me in the mirror when I look into it like I talked about last night. And I see a wicked old guy. Trip and fall. As long as you fall for Jesus, that's all right. What happened? You got lifted up with pride. Nobody gonna tell me what to do. Really? Really? It's pride. I can, I, I, I'll get to I'll get to the the cure in a moment. Let's lie, let's fast, pride, lie. Judas. And I can turn you to all kinds of scriptures, but I'm not. You know I'm giving you the word of God. All of you know these stories backwards, forwards, upside down, crossways, every way. The sin of unbelief gets us. We don't believe God. We don't really believe him. Judas didn't believe him for salvation. Let me, let me make a statement. You, you may not like it. But... If Judas was one of the twelve and he's with him three years solid and he was lost as he could be, you suppose a few people in church might be lost that claim they're saved? Let me tell you why you won't get saved. Because your pride won't let you. I'm a deacon. I'll never forget it, camp one year. Oh boy was a assistant pastor in New York. And they got to hammering on going to hell and preached on hell. 
He got up and said, I might be an assistant pastor, but I'm not going to hell for anything. He went forward and got saved and had to swallow his pride in front of God and everybody and say, I just got saved. And everybody went, what? No. You know what they did? Praise God he got saved. I don't want him to go to hell and burn forever. But you know what? In his mind, preacher, you know what he was thinking? I can't admit that. If I admit that, I mean, come on. I'm already a sister pastor. You pastor, actually. I'm a you pastor, brother John. I can't admit that. But he swallowed his pride and humbled himself enough to come to Christ and get saved and got his life transformed. One of my best friends that I have on earth was going to a church. He thought from what they said, he must have gotten saved, but he really didn't. And he went to Baptist church and they said, well, you ever, oh yeah, yeah, I've done all this. Yeah. He started going. I get busy. He got busy driving a bus, giving money, doing all kind of stuff, man. He made good money and he gave good money. He's a giver. Drove a bus, helped put a guy through college because the guy's going to college. I mean, he helped pay his way. Deacon, became a terminal of deacons in a large church. Fundamental, independent, Baptist, soul winning, sin ain't revival bringing church. Preacher got up one Sunday morning and said, look, I'd never do this. We've got to have more bus captains. They call them bus pastors. We've got to have more bus pastors. And I believe God's given us some. I've got names written right here. Don't make me have to call your name. I want men to do it right now. We're, we're not leaving this church till you tell me. Who is it going to be the next bus, cap, bus pastor? All right, come on. I'm waiting on you. Stand up. Raise your hand. Hand over here, hand over here, hand over here. Nobody else. I've still got to have some more. I've got to have three or four more, what it was. Come on, don't make me read names. You know who you are. Another hand. Another hand. All right. I'm fixing to have to read names. I've got to have one more. We're not leaving until I get to one more. And they were looking right at him. And about that time, somebody, he said, Amen, all right. He went home that afternoon and he looked at his wife and he said, Honey, you know what? I've been faking this thing for a long time. I got to get, I, I just, I don't think I'm saved. His wife said, All right, then let's take care of it. Right. He said, I need to take care of that tonight. She said, No, we're going to take care of it right now. Right there, she led him to Christ. He got saved. He went back to church at night, walked down the aisle, met the pastor at the front and said, I got saved and I need to get baptized. My wife led me to Christ this afternoon. He was the chairman of the deacon. Hello! Watch me now. The pastor said, your name was on that list, but I guess I put it on there for the wrong reason. God had something else in mind than I had. And he tells me to this day, I faked it for all those years. Chairman of the deacons of a large independent fundamental Baptist church. One you would go to. One I would go to. I'm just telling you. 
Are you trying to hide the fact that you're really not saved? Huh? Are you really trying that? I don't want anybody to doubt their salvation. I never try to preach people to doubt their salvation. If you come to Christ and you've asked him to save you and put your faith and trust in him, you ask him to forgive you to, and you turn and call and believe on him, you're saved. I'm not trying to make anybody doubt it. But you know whether or not you really did that. And you alone. And your mama can't do it for you. Your daddy can't do it for you. Your brother can't do it for you. Your grandma can't do it for you. Your wife can't do it for you. And you can't do it for anybody else. It's an individual thing. What are you hiding? Are you hiding your lust of the flesh? Are you hiding your lust of the eyes? Are you hiding your lust, your pride of life? Are you hiding your unbelief? Not just about salvation. I'm talking about a lot of things. Everybody thinks you really believe when you, don't, you really don't. He can do their, no mighty works because of their unbelief. Why couldn't he do the mighty works? Unbelief. Maybe he could do mighty works in your life if it wasn't for unbelief. And you're trying to hide it so nobody knows it. Instead of confessing it and forsaking it. What are you hiding? Gehazi hid his two talents of silver and two changes of garments from Naaman in 2 Kings chapter 5. And when he was confronted, he goes, oh no, no, I didn't go anywhere. Elisha said, yes, you did. Your heart went with you. And he tried to hide it. And he ended up with leprosy. Achan tried to hide. He ended up destroying his whole family. And on and on I could go. I've known people that tried to hide their bitterness. Well, I'm not bitter. I just don't like them. You know you're bitter at them. You, don't, you despise them. It's not you don't like them. They hurt you. They wounded you. And you know they hurt you. And you know they wounded you. And you're, you're living with that wound. And you don't want anybody to do anything about it. And you, want, you, you like to get even with them. Vengeance mine, saith the Lord. But you're saying, vengeance mine, saith me. And you're hurt. And you're hurting. And you really did get hurt. I, I don't just... I, don't, I know. I know. I've been there. I've gotten hurt. Whether it's physically, emotionally, financially, they hurt you. And in your heart, you're holding a grudge against them and you're bitter. And your bitterness is going to destroy you, not them. But you're trying to hide it. Hiding your immorality, hiding your alcohol, your drugs, your cigarettes like I tried to. My Bible says, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh him shall have mercy. Let me say it again. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh him shall have mercy. Hiding your sin will cause destruction. But admitting and confessing, forsaking your sin will bring healing. If my people shall call by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. But if you're not willing to humble yourselves and pray, you're not willing to seek his face, you're not willing to turn from your wicked ways, then you won't hear from heaven and you won't have your sins forgiven and you won't be healed. Ladies and gentlemen, I think you're good people. I really do. I think you're a great church. But a great church is full of sinners just like a horrible church is full of sinners. 
And folks, I want you to be at your very best. And I want you to prosper in your life. I want you to prosper in your business if you have a business. I want you to prosper in your relationships. I want you to prosper in your marriage. I want you to prosper with your children. I want you to prosper in every area. But you're not going to prosper until you're willing to get the things that you're hiding out of your life. And if we're not careful, we all have our little hidden sins that we don't want anybody to know about, that we don't want to confess, that we don't want to forsake. And those are going to take us under. They're going to bury us. And the Bible says you can't cover your sin and prosper. We've got to be honest with ourselves. If you're sitting there night and the Holy Spirit has pinpointed something, I may not even have mentioned what it was because there's a whole lot of things that could be mentioned. Then if he pinpointed it, in just a few moments, I'm going to give an invitation. And when I start that invitation and the piano starts playing or even before the piano starts playing, you ought to hit the nearest aisle, get down the aisle front, get on the altar and get it under the blood. And if it's a relationship you need to get right with somebody else, you ought to be man enough, woman enough, or whoever, Christian enough, to get up off your seat, go to that person and get it right and take care of it immediately. If you have audience, your brother, leave, leave your gift to the altar and go get it right with him and then come back. If my people, that's Christians, called by my name, shall humble themselves, that's humbling yourself, see. Shall humble themselves and pray. And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven. And then will I forgive their sins. And then will I heal their land. What are you hiding? Lord, we, uh, we, we realize, where are you hiding? Well, we realize we were naked. Who told you that? They hid themselves from God. Days I said, I didn't go anywhere. There you are. And went and hid what you went and got. Aching, don't get your curse saying. So what you do, comes back and hides it. Just like you try to hide your sin, and I try to hide mine. But it don't work. It don't work. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. Be honest with me now. Hear me out now. Hear me on this. Do you know for sure you're saved? That guy thought he was. He really wasn't. Don't put on the dog. Don't die and go to hell just because somebody told you you were saved or you joined some church somewhere and you think, I got it. No, no. Until you get born again saved, you're not born again saved. It doesn't matter what anybody else said or anybody else did. Do you know for sure you're saved? You say, honestly, Brother Moon, I don't. And for the first time, I'm going to admit, with heads by and eyes closed, no one looking around but you, Brother Moon, I'm going to admit, I am not saved. Pray for me. Is there anybody like that? Raise your hand. Come on, be honest. Anybody, all across the room, anybody. I don't know for sure I'm saved. It sure would be sad if we left this room and you left this room and died and went to hell. That would be horrible when you could have gotten saved right here tonight, right now. Anybody, I don't know for sure. I need prayer right now to give me the courage to take care of it. Just slip your hand up and put it back down. Anybody like that? Come on, anybody? Let's be honest. Now let me ask you a second question. 
God spoke to your heart tonight. I'm going to ask you, what about? God spoke to your heart tonight. Would you be honest and say, pray for me. God spoke to my heart tonight. Raise your hand. Hold it there just a second. All over the room. All over the room. Come on, raise your hand. God spoke to my heart. God spoke to my heart. Raise it. That's it. God bless you. God bless you and you and you and you. What about you? You didn't raise the first time, but you should have. Come on, raise your hand. God bless you. I see you, young man. God bless you. I see you and you. Thank you. Anybody else? God spoke to my heart. Pray for me. Anybody else? Father, you've seen the hands, but more than that, you know our hearts. And whether we raise our hand or not, you know whether or not we're hiding things. God, would you please bless this invitation? This is the last night of the rival. Not that it has to be over, but this is the last night. 